This next segment, The Ugly Truth of Fentanyl. We'll be back with that right after this. Yeah, we just wanted to say thank you very much to our corporate sponsors of Scotts Bluff County Scanner, which is really part of Bluff Talk. Uh, when we, when we uh, solicited sponsorship or when they contacted us about sponsorship on Scotts Bluff County Scanner, uh, we didn't promise anyone anything other than the Facebook page, but this business has expanded to many different entities, and so we want to mention them on all of our different places. We're here on the on the radio, we're on the podcast, we're on the blog, we're on TV and the radio. So thank you to RNC Welding and Fabrication in Gearing, Nebraska. RCWelding.com, if you want to check them out, that's RCWelding.com. Their corporate sponsor for Scott's Bluff County Scanner, which is really the inspiration of Bluff Talk Radio, all about Scott's Bluff County. So thank you to those folks down there. Ty, thank you, and those people at RC Welding. We are just about ready to open up the ugly truth. The ugly truth. Hard to listen to, but impossible to ignore. Here's Struggle Jennings and his daughter Brianna with a cry for help. And then we'll get started on the ugly truth. this actual report we were really focusing on the ugliness of fentanyl and really I should have thought it through as the ugliness of the drug abuse syndrome surrounding fentanyl yes um, it's a longer title so I probably just shortened it but the the point is there's a difference between one and the other and you're gonna learn tonight that even though as we present the ugly truth of fentanyl we're going to take a look at the good side of fentanyl, if you can believe I just said that. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, which included me two days ago, there is a good side to fentanyl. So please keep listening. Please keep listening. We're going to present it to you first, The Ugly Truth. Let's take a look at the article that Andy prepared for us on the screen there. Go ahead, Andy. All right. So fentanyl and other synthetic opioids are the most common drugs involved in overdose, overdose deaths. Even in small doses, it can be deadly. Over 150 people die every day from overdoses related to synthetic opioids like fentanyl. So we have a definition here of fentanyl. It's a powerful synthetic lab-made opioid, mm -hmm. FDA-approved to treat severe pain related to surgery or complex pain conditions. Mm -hmm. Over the past decade, fentanyl that has made and distributed illegally sometimes called illicitly manufactured fentanyl, and other illegally made synthetic opioids have been increasingly found in the drug supply. 
During this time, fentanyl and related substances have contributed to a dramatic rise in drug overdose deaths in the United States. That's the truth. Now, when we look at some different angles of things, we understand that statistics can always be skewed, charts can be altered, and things can look really you know, like dramatic. And we're not trying to do that, but it is pretty scary on the dramatic rise. And we can show you a chart in here, in, in here soon that will show you uh, that you, you 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 can't under you can't underplay what you're seeing. Okay, so it was a dramatic rise, a dramatic rise. Mm -hmm. So there was a short report on Fox News recently about the poisoning of America. So let's watch that real fast. All right, she'll get that queued up for us. Fentanyl deaths are skyrocketing across the country, and it is overwhelming the system. The medical examiner's office is now struggling with the issue of storing bodies because the fentanyl-related um, death toll continues to climb. Wow. Ari Hoffman, former Seattle City Council candidate and radio host of The Ari Hoffman Show, joins us now. Ari, uh, the city is running out of body bags and morgue space because of all of these fentanyl deaths. If that's not a wake-up call to city leaders, what is? It's absolutely horrifying. You're looking at King County. King County is the largest population in Washington state. It has Seattle inside of it. Last year, they had over 1,000 deaths that were attributed to fentanyl. The year before was over 600. That's a massive spike. And now they don't know where to put all the bodies. Just this weekend, the light rail, mass transit in Seattle, we don't have much of it, but we do have the light rail. It was stopped because somebody overdosed on the light rail itself. This month alone, They've already had, it's already January 24th, we've already had over 31 fentanyl deaths. That's one for each day of the month, and the month isn't even over yet. This shows no sign of slowing down. Wow. And lawmakers recently decriminalized possession of drugs. Is that right? So possessing, possessing drugs in Washington is now a misdemeanor. Um, is that making the situation worse? It's making it infinitely worse because you sent a message to the cartels that, hey, look at all the customers you have up here in Seattle. Look at all the customers you have here in King County. And they came and they brought the drugs with them. We're seeing overdose not just in the homeless population, where you're talking about over half the homeless deaths last year in Seattle were attributed to fentanyl overdoses. But you're seeing in our schools, you're seeing in families, it's growing and growing and getting worse. And they're doing absolutely nothing about it. Officials in Washington, officials in Seattle believe in harm reduction, which is anything but. They believe in opening safe injection sites, as they're called, which is where you go and inject heroin under supervision. That's not safe. They yeah. believe in needle exchanges, which just means needles end up everywhere. They don't actually give in any needles for the ones they get back. They've given out hundreds of fentanyl testing, hundreds of thousands of fentanyl testing strips. They've given out tens of thousands of naloxone, which is an anti-overdose medication. And yet that hasn't done anything. It's only made the issue worse. Unless they have actual treatment options, this is only going to continue to skyrocket. You know, it's so true. So it's making it easier for drug addicts to continue to use drugs in the name of trying to make it safer. It's keeping addicts addicted. And now um, there are parents, especially this one mom, she came on our show earlier. Uh, she's rolling out this uh, billboard campaign directed towards President Biden. And the message on the billboard says, please help my son escape addiction the way you helped Hunter. Listen to her message here. 
we need recovery solutions. And what we're doing is addiction maintenance instead of recovery. And it's my son is in a position where he is feeling really trapped. I'm absolutely hoping that he, as a parent who has a son who has struggled with addiction, that he will see what needs to be done in this situation. And it is absolutely to stop the drugs pouring over the border. I mean, Ari, can you believe what she's saying? She's going on national TV. Her son is addicted to drugs, and she feels like she has no other recourse, and she's just screaming out for help. What happens to her son, who is you know, homeless right now, addicted to drugs, and feels like there's no escape from it? It's absolutely heartbreaking. We see it on the streets of King County in Seattle every single day. It is not a homeless problem we're having. It's a drug addiction problem. And people do anything to continue feeding that addiction, whether it means breaking and entering, whether it means robbery, whether it means assaulting people and taking their money, whatever the case may be. That's what we're seeing every single day, which is why crime is getting worse. And the Biden administration, the Democrats, their plan seems to be, let's open more injection sites so people can inject more heroin. No, Joe Biden wouldn't do that for Hunter, and he shouldn't want to do that for your kids either. She is 100% right. My heart absolutely breaks for her. Yeah, yeah, and it is insane. I mean, we have identified the number one killer of young people in the country, and it is fentanyl and not a peep out of the federal government on it. Ari, we have to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure as always. Yeah, we gave you a second to look at that chart there as we pulled it down. Good job, Andy. Thank you for pulling that down there. It's figure two, national drug-involved overdose deaths among all ages, you can see the spike. I mean, you can't, you know, can't, can't doubt that. Can't doubt it. And it's, and it's the synthetic opioids that is the largest spike there. Mm -hmm. So you can uh, go to the article to continue uh, to look at it deeper. Yeah. Like she said, everything's on diggingdeeper.net right there directly. Of course, from Digging Deeper TV, you can just click on the news tab. And that's where you'll get to these articles and the ugly truth of fentanyl is in there. And this is another report from KSAT News in, I believe, was it Oklahoma or Dallas? It was one it of those. Was, yeah, it was down south somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, this one um, kind of walks us through the processing of the drug. Yeah, this will teach you about uh, the differences between legal and illegal fentanyl. Right. You've been hearing about the deadly effects of fentanyl and how some people are getting their hands on it without even realizing it. But why now? And what is fentanyl exactly? What makes this drug different? In this case, that explains. We head to the DEA lab in Dallas, where pills laced with fentanyl are coming in by the thousands. Pharmaceutical fentanyl is a Schedule II drug that is typically used in hospitals uh, to treat pain. It's mostly used as a medication to really rapidly deliver pain relief to someone uh, while they're in the operating room. It's a, usually given as like an, an infusion. It can come in patch form. It is one of the fastest acting opioids that we know. It acts um, within like one to two minutes. There is no pill form. We told you about a mother who feared her 17-year-old daughter died of a fentanyl overdose. The medical examiner's toxicology report confirmed that news. Federal officials are sounding the alarm over an increasing number of fake prescription pills that contain potentially deadly fentanyl. All of 
the federal drug evidence that comes from Texas, Oklahoma, or New Mexico comes into this DEA laboratory. We're looking to see what the sample contains, so whether it's methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin, or fentanyl. The fentanyl that we're seizing, it's coming from uh, Mexico. It's being smuggled into our communities by these Mexican drug cartels. They're making it look legitimate uh, in a manner to appear to be Oxycontin, Percocet, Adderall, and other prescribed drugs. Drug traffickers that work in these clandestine labs that are making uh, these fake pills. They are unaware of how much fentanyl they're putting into these pills. Right now we're seeing the majority of the, the pills, um, but we also see it in powder form um, as well as compressed powder. Is there any way for anyone to tell just by looking at a pill or a powder whether it contains fentanyl? No. And that's what makes it so dangerous. This seizure came into the lab while we were here today. An estimated 30,000 pills out of the El Paso area ready to be tested. This amount, what's in this vial, is two milligrams. That is a potentially lethal dose of fentanyl. The same test that we use for fentanyl, we use on, our, on other drugs too that we, that we test. This is a, a typical fentanyl case that we got. This is a one kilogram of M30 tablets. Uh, they're made to look like uh, oxycodone uh, tablets. You can see that there's an, there's an M printed on one side and a 30 on the other side. Take a look at the pictures. Can you tell the difference between the fake pill and the, the real pill? No, you cannot. This is a fake pill, and, and that's the problem. And they're typically about uh, two milligrams of fentanyl in the tablets, and two milligrams is a really small amount. For instance, this is two milligrams of fentanyl in there. Oh wow, you can barely see there's right. anything even in there. Correct, so that, that amount of fentanyl is in each one of those tablets. One of the tests we do is a quick rapid uh, test called the amino acid, and it looks for the specific fentanyl metabolites that are found in human urine. So we only need a little bit of the sample to do that. Just take a few milligrams of it, put it in a test tube, and then we mix it with water. So these are the amino assay tests. They're kind of like uh, pregnancy tests. You're looking for the specific uh, antigen, fentanyl antigen in that. The water is traveling up the uh, sample stick. Once the metabolites interact with the antigens, you'll see a line. If we see one line on the C, that means it's positive. So you said this is not unlike a pregnancy test? Right, it right. It looks similar to an at-home COVID test. Exactly. So we have to use our instruments to positively identify it, but this is just a rapid test to determine if those tablets might contain uh, fentanyl. And there we go. So our sample matches that of the positive control. So we know that that tablet probably has fentanyl in it. It appears as though it could be candy. And the drug dealers are utilizing rainbow fentanyl to reach our, our kids. It's more of an attraction 
Therapeutically, it's 100 to 200 times more potent than morphine. We, we are seeing already like uh, many, many um, overdoses happening in high schools. There is less time, I would say, to save them uh, than if they were to overdose on any other opioid. But that still doesn't mean that you can't save them. is 100% going to work if you have it. But if you don't have it, then it's going to be too late. You're putting your life at risk by uh, taking a pill that has not been prescribed to you. One pill can kill. All right. So we also have one other report from Greg Kelly. Rebe Rebecca Kiesling? Kiesling? I think that'd be Kiesling. Kiesling. Kiesling? Anyway, we'll just call her Ms. Kiesling. Ms. Kiesling uh, testified at the House Homeland Security Committee hearing on February 28th of this year, and she stared, shared her story with Greg Kelly and discussed the ba backlash that she received after her testimony. Yeah, I wanted you, yeah, when you showed me this, I said, we definitely have to have this one on. This is worth watching, guys, about seven and a half, eight minutes? Or? Yeah. It's a great, great testimony. Check this out, what happened to her. That's Rebecca Kiesling uh, testifying in Congress yesterday. She's a Michigan mother. She lost her two sons to fentanyl poisoning. They were essentially murdered. Uh, Caleb was 20 on the right and Kyler 18 on the left. Uh, it's such a tragedy. And as you know, drugs are overtaking this country and they're coming from the border. But Joe Biden's reaction to her testimony, it was disgusting. I would have said before yesterday it was totally unthinkable. It's incredibly, it's crazy, just crazy what happened. We'll have those comments and Rebecca's, but first let's meet Rebecca Kiesling. Uh, thank you so much, and your testimony yesterday was so powerful and necessary. How are you? I'm exhausted. I'm just emotionally spent. It took a lot out of me, and it, it was actually two days ago, um, and it's been... Um, it's been a lot. And I, I've been hearing from so many parents who've lost their children. They're all grieving. Um, they all want to know what they can do. They want this to stop. And then they're furious at what President Biden said. And then I'm getting a lot of hate mail, too, like just horrible things. Before we get to Joe Biden and his horrible comments, you're not a policymaker, but if you could set policy from your perspective, and nobody's been affected by this really more than you, what needs to be done that's not being done? This needs to be treated like a war. I mean, they need to declare that this is a war going on and, um, and that these uh, cartels are terrorists. We need to do something about it. Um, you know, I would think some military action and um, I think that, you know, we need to secure the border one way or the other. We need to secure the, the border. Yeah, I noticed. All the way in between from points of entry, like all the way around needs to be secured. I did not see your comments as partisan. I listened. I think they're American. I think it's common sense to secure the border. 
Was there something I missed? I, I didn't see you take any shots at, uh, at one party over the next. I mean, I think this is an American problem. You were apolitical as far as I could tell. I thought that I was going in to testify, you know, for everyone, for the Republicans and the Democrats. But once I got there, it was clear that the Democrats had their own witness and they didn't bring in you know, any kind of victims, you know, any victims of, of the trafficking from the cartels or um, anybody who's lost children. Instead, they had a guy from the Cato Institute who was just clueless and so offensive, um, you know, saying, well, it's a demand problem, like like my kids asked for it. And nobody's demanding, or very few people are demanding fentanyl. There's not a demand for fentanyl. People don't know it's in there. Like, how clueless can you get? And then it just became really evident that um, the Democrats, like, weren't going to do anything about the border. And they were saying that there's a lot of fear-mongering going on and xenophobia and racism. Um, And it just opened my eyes, like, wow, wow. This is why nothing gets done. So here's a... We've compacted some of your comments into uh, a kind of a, a highlight reel, if you will. And uh, here's your testimony from two days ago. My children were taken away from me. A hundred thousand Americans every year. Congress needs a purple chair. The White House needs a purple chair to never forget about all those who are being slaughtered. This is a war. Act like it. Do something. This is a war. Act like it. Do something. Who could argue with that? Joe Biden decided to. He decided to quibble. You mentioned out loud that your children died in July of 2020. We all know who was president then, but you weren't saying that you weren't being political. And Joe was. No, and, and they said our government has failed. I didn't our say government. Democrats failed. I didn't see this president failed. I said our government has. And that's true. So here's Joe Biden at an event last night. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. (laughs) I uh, where were you when you first saw that? Uh, I had honestly, I just finished doing a media interview and I um, came back home and um, Saw it last night, like around 10 o'clock or so, and just my jaw dropped. And then um, I, I started shaking. I mean, this is like, are, are you kidding me? Is this is this real? Like, how, how could this be real? Like, and then um, and then I just thought about my sons, how disrespected they were. Um, and I to just laugh. And and then on top of it. Um, you know, right before bed, I got a nasty email from somebody, you know, calling me all kinds of names and saying that I'm such a sick, twisted mother that um, I accused Biden of, you know, killing my children. Like, what? No, no, I, I didn't do that. And it was there, Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene misspoke. When she didn't hear my testimony, because they're in and out of different committees. You know, Congressman Green, Congresswoman Green, though, it's it's put that aside for a moment. He stopped talking about her and then quibbled about who was president 
in July of 2020 yeah. and then got a chuckle out of it. Yeah. It's it's reprehensible. Uh, I don't think this is over, by the way. You are owed an apology. Would you take his phone call? Yeah, but, you know, I, I demanded an apology. I did a video on social media, and it's been shared in the, in the press. And so he was asked this afternoon, well, no, I'm sorry, his um, press secretary right. was asked whether he's going to issue me an apology. And their position is that, you know, I guess I'm not owed one and that um, those comments were pertaining to me. Like, how could he say that? How, how could you say they weren't pertaining to me? Like, and and I tell you, they're not just to me, they're to the, you know, millions who are who have lost children and loved ones to fentanyl. Ms. Kiesling, this is not going to be forgotten. <laughs> this is not going away. And maybe it'll fade from the headlines, but this moment, this is a seismic moment, I do believe, in the, in the history of the Biden presidency, what we saw. It's, uh, so an, a major contribution, in a way, uh, is, is in the offing. I, I thank you for joining us. I know this is tough for you. Rebecca Kiesling from Michigan, all the best, and we're so sorry about Caleb and Kyler. All the best to you. Thank you. So, uh, Ms. Kiesling also founded an organization called North America Recovers. It's a national coalition of community leaders, parents, and recovering addicts. Their foundation emphasizes psychiatry for all, the closing of drug markets, and shelter first, not government drug sites that only enable this addiction. Wow, that's fantastic. You know, ugly, ugly, ugly things usually sprout up some good ministries. Yep. That's and true. you know what we also have is that it for the ugly truth that, of fentanyl but do not do not play the actual close of the ugly truth of fentanyl because we're going to get down and dirty with the other side of the story right right now we have up next the actual good truth of fentanyl i'm not sure anybody really would have thought that we would have done something like that in our ugly truth segment but we try to investigate both sides of the story and so what we've done is we have come up with an interview with the very same doctor that you heard on earlier. Dr. Dennis Daniels is going to give us some information about the actual good news of fentanyl, what it's actually good for. So where is the need or the purpose of fentanyl? Mm -hmm. So fentanyl it helps us in that medicines like Demerol are sometimes so bad they can lower your seizures threshold. Demerol frequently had to give with an, be given with another medicine called Phenergan, which decreases the nausea and vomiting. So you know, so Demerol used to be like one of our go-tos, right? And then we have medicines like morphine, which decrease your air hunger. Um, they decrease your desire to feel you, the sensation of feeling like you don't have air hunger. Morphine is a peripheral vasodilator. And morphine releases histamine. And, and fentanyl is, it doesn't do those things the way morphine does. So fentanyl is a little bit safer. So in the world of medicine, like in the ICU and stuff, we like fentanyl. Because fentanyl is less likely. So it's more powerful as far as an analgesic. But it's less likely to decrease your respiratory drive than morphine is. So when we do end-of-life decisions, we have research that says morphine is better than fentanyl in, in 
end of life decision when we're letting somebody you know, pass away peacefully because the morphine decreases their desire to take a breath and, and it makes them feel less air hunger than the fentanyl does. So fentanyl has a medical benefit. It's less likely to drop your blood pressure. It is less likely to decrease your respiratory drive. The problem is if fentanyl is easy to get and, and, and from what I'm hearing about it, uh, when it's made illegally and being sold on the street, you can't sense it, you can't smell it, a small amount of it, and that's the problem. Mm -hmm. So a small amount of it can be profoundly effective, and that's where the problem comes in. So, so fentanyl itself is actually a decent medicine, but you have to use it under controlled circumstances. So if you have pain and your doctor wants to give you fentanyl, that's, that's a good option. Depending on this, it's, it could be better than Demerol, better than Dilaudid, better than morphine in some situations. That question really has to do with how quickly the medicine kicks in and then how profound the effect is. And so things like, for example, Dilaudid, that is, a, that is more powerful than morphine, right? That's why you give, a smaller, you give a smaller milligram dose of it, for example. So that one might have a real quick addictive property. And then there are some benzodiazepines. So you heard of Ativan and Valium and those things. Some of them kick in real fast, like fast, like Versed is notorious for kicking in fast. So how fast the medicine kicks in seems to have something to do with how addictive it is. And we like fentanyl because it does kick in fast. So mm. it, it's really hard to say that one of those is clearly more definitively addictive than the other. I think it has to do with multiple factors how quickly it kicks in, you know, if you use it today, are you going to be allowed to use it again tomorrow? And, and fentanyl has an advantage over morphine. It's, you can overdose on morphine just as easy as you would on fentanyl. And you, and you can take less uh, amount, for example, of morphine because if it's decrease your respiratory drive because it's propensity to be a peripheral vasodilator and release histamine. Morphine can be deadly to you at a lower dosage or a lower, a lower blood concentration than the fentanyl can. Let's not underestimate that when it comes to analgesia, fentanyl is very powerful. It is our go-to. So when we have people on the ventilator, for example, we want to give them something to help them sleep, a sedative, and an analgesic. We want you to be asleep, comfortable, not anxious, and we don't want you to feel pain. And, and, and almost everybody uses fentanyl as their go-to in that situation because of the things we just mentioned. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to pair it with something like Phenergan because of nausea. It really doesn't lower your seizure threshold. Um, it's not a, and it, not, it doesn't release histamine. And not, it's not so much of a powerful peripheral vasodilator. And so for those reasons, you know, it's, it's less likely to lower your blood pressure, but it's great at controlling pain. It's gonna be, you're going to be hard-pressed to find doctors that need good, effective, safe analgesia to speak badly of fentanyl. Mm. In the world of medicine, mm -hmm. fentanyl could be called a hero. There you go. You heard the other side of the story from Dr. Daniels. Well, thank you very much for that input. Okay, well, I think that's just going about, uh, about going to do it. For the ugly truth and the other side of fentanyl, the good side, which when we finished up our interview with Dr. Daniels, uh, the one thing that I felt like he wanted to emphasize 
If there are any legislators or even voters, people that are lobbying for or against fentanyl in any way, uh, he wants you to keep in mind that if you legislate out fentanyl completely, then that will set medicine back, I think in his words, 20 years. So use your common sense. The fact is that any substance, including water, salt, and sugar, can be just as addictive or or abused as an illegal drug Mm -hmm. or a legal drug. Right. It's all about the abuse of the substance, and that's another thought on guns. If you have a gun sitting there, it's not going to kill anybody unless someone abuses it, abuses the privilege of having that device. So just use everything in moderation, and thank you again to Dr. Daniels for that very educational segment on the ugly truth with the flip side of the good good side of fentanyl. So thanks again for listening to The Ugly Truth. 